have your Westover app, I invite you to open it or your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter number 13. We're in a series entitled Stronger Family. All year long so far, we have been talking about how to have a stronger family. In fact, 1st of March is our Stronger Family Conference. What a way to strengthen your marriage and to become better parents. Parents, some of us are really struggling. Our kids have gone through a change and it's in a new season and we're trying to figure them out. And maybe it's working with one of our kids and the other one, we're just out of sync and not in rhythm with them. Come to the Strong Family Conference. Registration is available at our resource center immediately following. But we're going to talk today on the subject of, I'm going to entitle this message, Thou shalt not. Spelled K-N-O-T. We refer to a marriage as tying the knot. And I'm here to say God's message to you is thou shalt not. Tie the knot and keep it tied. Thou shalt not. You see, marriage is God's idea. It's not society's idea. It's not the government's idea. Marriage was first established by God in the garden of the beginning. God says it's not good that man should be alone. So he created a helpmate. He created a, uh, created a spouse for Adam, and that was Eve. Marriage is God's idea. Now, I know it's become popular today, and it's acceptable in our culture, cohabitation. Nowhere in Scripture does God approve of or endorse cohabitation. In fact, Proverbs chapter 9, it puts it like this. Cohabitation is like, is like eating a meal not paying for it. And then sometimes I'll have couples come to me, you know, would you pray over our relationship? I said, are you married? I said, no. Then God can't bless it until you bring it under the covering of marriage. First, first make the relationship right, and then God can bless it. And that's what God intends. God wants us to have an effective and happy marriage. Now, someone said, matches are made in heaven. No, they're not. Matches are not made in heaven. Lightning and thunder is made in heaven. Matches are made here on earth. And someone has that, you know, that love at first sight, love feeling, you know. If, if, if I just see the right person, matches made in heaven and they marry. Those kind of people usually detach after they match. Can I tell you, God intends for us to have a marriage that lasts. Now, someone wrote a song. Someone wrote a song about love. You don't need to know much about history. You don't need to know much about biology. You don't need to know much about geography. You just need to know one and one is two and I love you. Marriage is not that simple. You need to know a little more than one and one is two. In fact, if you want to have a happy marriage, you need to know some history, biology, psychology, theology, and apology. You need to know all of that if you're going to have a happy marriage. Can I get an amen out of that? Sure. Sure. Marriage is a challenge. Marriage is a lot of work. And if you're going to have a happy marriage, it takes more than the urge to merge. It's going to take more than just having some chemical reactions and, you know, I think it's wonderful and it's great. It takes more than that. Engagement, honeymoon, you're like a rocket ship and you, you sail into the orbit of romance. But every marriage, you'll hear it say, said sometime, Houston, we have a problem. Yeah. Every marriage hits a moment. It's a struggle. 
Somebody said that marriage is like twirling a baton or eating with chopsticks. It looks easy until you do it. I mean, you know, just, wow, spending the rest of my life with somebody that likes me and I like them. I'll get out of the house and be with this person. And it looks and sounds easy until we get into it. But the scripture says, we're to tie that knot and keep it tied. Hence my message, thou shalt not, K-N-O-T. With that, I invite you to join me in 1 Corinthians chapter number 13. This is the love chapter. And we've been looking through this chapter all month long. We're going to go to verse number 7. We talked about verses 1 through 6. And today, today's message, we're going to focus on verse number 7. And this is what the Holy Spirit deposited in Scripture to help us understand love, this forever love. It says that this love, it, it always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Now, interesting, four times in this verse, the word always appears. And it's actually in the original. It's not just redundancy. When God repeats something, God is saying something. He said it's going to take all, all of your trusting. It's going to, you're going to always be hoping. You're going to every time be persevering. If, If it was a recipe, it would be like this. A full cup of protecting a full cup of trusting, a full cup of hoping, and a full cup of persevering. You'll need all of these ingredients in order to establish healthy marriage. Now, if we look at these in the antithesis, in other words, opposite, the opposite of these will always bring marital gridlock. Marital gridlock. And some of us were caught there. Some of us were just caught in the, in, in the, in the moment where you can't get past that, that gridlock in the marriage. And if you take these four qualities, the opposite of protecting is insecurity. The opposite of trusting is distrust. The opposite of, of, of hoping is negative expectations. The opposite of persevering is quitting or leaving. In fact, you can look at it, it kind of begins with the first one. The moment you feel insecure you start distrusting. And the more you distrust, then negative expectations come in. And then negative expectations, eventually you quit or you shut down or you want to leave and it creates a toxic environment because it's quite the opposite of what God intends. You take what God intends and if you ever reverse it, if you do it your own way or you do it opposite what God said, it will always create a toxic, unhealthy environment. Some of us are that way. The, the whole atmosphere, the conversation, the, the spirit, the, 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 the home, the marriage, it's just, it's, it's caught in this toxic moment. You're saying, how do I break that? What do I do? Uh, several years ago, before we had this auditorium, when the, when the student center was our auditorium, when the student center was our auditorium, we used to have what we called watch night service. How many of you ever attended a watch night service? You go out on, uh, to the church on, on New Year's Eve and, and you sing and have worship as the old year goes out and the new year comes in. That's a watch night service. And we, we were having a watch night service. And in those days, the congregation was much smaller. And I used to invite people, come out early, come out early. And I would make chili for the congregation. And we'd sit down and we'd have fellowship, have chili together. And at a certain time we would go into the auditorium. We would sing and worship and pray out the old year. Pray in the new year. Well, several, several weeks afterwards, after such an event, we're into the new year. 
Denise tells me, something's wrong with my car. It stinks on the inside. There's a bad odor. I said, I don't know what it is, babe. I don't know what it is. Well, a few weeks later, she said, I'm telling you, there's something wrong with my automobile. The smell is getting worse. I said, have the kids dropped something as something, uh, when the kids or the girls were much smaller, did something, they leave some food and it spoils. So we're looking under the seat, you know, in the back seat, running your hand down, see if they've dropped something. Nothing was there. And then he said, I'm telling you. I'm telling you, it's getting worse. A few weeks later, she says, it is terrible. She got one of those little deodorizers on the, on the rearview mirror, and then she got bags of this stuff that you put under the seat to just, to just uh, get rid of the odor. When she'd parked the car, she'd crack the window. She said, I'm telling you, there must be something must have crawled up somewhere and died. It is so bad. It, it really was. It was a foul stench in her car. Now we're into March. Now we're in the first week of March. And I went out one day and I opened the trunk. And when I opened the trunk, this billowing foul smell came out. And I realized what it was. I had left a pot of chili in the back of her car. It had been there since, since December the 31st. This is now, this is now the first the first of March has been there over two months. And by March, we've had some 80 and 85 degree days. And the smell was horrific. And, and she had something to say about not everything she said you would put in a worship course. Can I tell you? <laughs> it, it had some words like, dummy, you know, what did you do? And, and she made me clean it out. She made me take responsibility and and clean that out. My, my point is, my point is, follow me. We didn't, we didn't give the car away. We didn't take it to the wrecking yard. We cleaned out the trunk and the bad odor left. In your marriage, in your marriage, don't throw the marriage away. Don't give up on it. Don't say it won't work out. If there is something in the atmosphere, it's probably insecurity, distrust, negative expectation or you have shut down in the marriage. Exactly opposite of what God intends. And I'm here today to invite us to do marriage God's way. Some of us are at the, at the gridlock point of marriage. It's not working. And when that happens, often conflict in the marriage is evident of an unmet need. Conflict in a marriage and sometimes we think it's the surface thing. It's over, it's over time or help or do this or how you did and how you responded. That's the surface thing, the root cause. The root cause typically of distance, of distance and conflict in a marriage is an unmet need. And, and unmet needs in a marriage, when, when a man has an unmet need, inevitably he feels like a failure and he wants to quit. And with a woman, she typically gets angry and has a sense of guilt. Help me understand that, Pastor. Men, men are, are just geared for success. Men, men are just, we want to achieve. And when a, man, when a man can't fix something, he feels like a failure. When, when a man can't solve a problem, that's why a man doesn't want to talk about any problem he can't solve. He can solve it, he wants to talk about it, but he can't solve it. He doesn't want to talk about it because he feels like a failure. And anytime he feels like a failure, he, he just wants to, he just wants to, 
a guilt. He, he wants to quit. He wants to shut down. Women, women, when, when, they, when they have an unmet need, it produces anger and guilt. She begins to say to herself, she begins to ask herself, she begins to question herself and then say, was I not smart enough? Was I not pretty enough? Was I not this enough? Why, 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 doesn't, he get, why doesn't he treat me the way I want to be treated? Why is he not meeting this need? And, and she, she has a sense of guilt. There's something she's not good enough and she can't be enough of. Inevitably, that turns into to anger and unmet needs in a relationship, in a man, it typically produces resentment. And in a wife and a woman, produces rejection. And you can know when it's resentment because it will always have a, a why to it, a why question, a why statement. And rejection always has a because statement or a, a because question. If it's, if it's resentment... Why didn't you, or why do you? Why didn't you do? Why don't you? Why, why did you stop? Why do you do this? And that's resentment. Resentment is usually characterized by the, the why question. Rejection is typically characterized by the because of. Because you do or because you don't. Because you did and because you didn't. And rejection will always speak in a because statement. And resentment typically speaks in a why statement. Why didn't you and why don't you? And inevitably, if that continues in the relationship, the wife will close up and the man will shut down. And why? They're in gridlock. You know, you can be in a marriage and feel like an ex. And some of us were there today. You're in a marriage. You're married, but you feel like an ex already. You feel alienated. You feel a, a sense of rejection. There's profound, there's just pr- profound resentment in your heart. You're in the area of what I call marital gridlock. But you can get out of that. For see if we'll do, the th- we'll do marriage God's way, we go from gridlock to unlock. It's found right there in the Scripture. Let's look at it again, verse number 7. It says, it always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres. And I'm going to divide those four words into two categories. Two of them reference the present, and two of them reference the future. Interesting enough, there's no past tense in this verse. You see, God does not intend that we spend our time regurgitating the past, living in the past. There's no past tense here. It's all present tense and takes us into future tense. Present tense, love always protects. Love always trusts. It protects and it trusts. The two primary needs of a husband and wife she needs security and he needs to feel significant. Protects and trust. There it is. If I was to ask a gathering of people, what's the one quality you need for a successful marriage to make it through the ups and downs, the, the challenges, the vicissitudes? What's the one thing you need? People would probably say, it's love. I would say it's forgiveness. 
forgiveness. In fact, can I just plant this thought in our heart? John 3, 16, God loved the world. Do you know how God demonstrates his love for us? He forgives us. Let's follow the example of God. Love is demonstrated when we forgive, when we let go. Someone will always ask me, Pastor, I can forgive, but I can't forget. How do you get there? I, can, I think I can forgive him. I just, I can't forget. I can't forget what he did. I can't forget what she did. I can't forget the hurt. I can't forget the words that were said. I can't forget the experience we went through. I, that's just looming. I, I think I can get to the forgiving point. I just can't get to the forgetting point. How do you get there? Between forgiving and forgetting. There's one more stage that's so important. And that is fading. Fading. What does that mean? You forgive it. Scripture says we can. We can forgive. But we can't forget. How do you get over there to forgetting? You begin to bring in the marriage so many positive, good experiences. Yes, you, you, you just begin to build the good things in the marriage and all of a sudden the bad things begin to fade and get smaller and smaller. It's like getting in your car and driving down the road and the, the things in the future, the good in the future looks so far away but the closer it gets, the smaller the things you left become and finally they beep, they're out of sight. That's what you do. What happens is, is you have so many good things and you know what I'm talking about. You ever had this conversation? When was the time we went on that vacation? Now, you, when it's just a year away. Last year we went. Then three or four years ago. You'll say, you know, was it, was it two years ago or four years ago we went on that vacation? Then ten years. Well, was it ten years or was it eight years ago? And then pretty soon. I don't know how far it was, but way back then. You can't hardly remember it. Why? It begins to fade. So it is. Begin to put good and the hurt and the challenges and the disappointments begin to fade. Begin to build positive in the relationship. And if I had a word I could share with every couple in here, it would be this. Accept the apology you've never received. There it is. You see, we can forgive even if they don't ask us. They don't have to petition our forgiveness. We can give it. It's a gift. And sometimes by forgiving them, we give a gift to ourselves. We take our emotions and our spirit and we free our emotions and our spirit from a prison. So I'm going to invite you, accept the apology you've never received. Some of us are waiting. Some of us are saying, I, I can't take the next step until this. Accept the apology you have not received yet and set yourself free. And Scripture says that love, it will just always protect and it always trusts. Future tense, it hopes and it perseveres. It hopes and it perseveres. You see, marriage does not make you happy. You make your marriage happy. Single, do not think... That if you could just get him or her to say, I do, you'll be happy. There's no magic formula in the word I do. Marriage doesn't make us happy. We make the marriage happy. That's what God intends. 
And God intends in the marriage, we always hope and persevere. And that speaks of taking us into the future. And somebody will say to me, but pastor, I don't have feelings anymore. What do you do when you've lost your, you've lost your feelings? And here's what I say. Begin to, just begin to put action. And good actions reverse and cause bad feelings to evaporate. Yeah. That's what it'll do. You see, it was by good actions that you fell in love. You saw them and you might have noticed them, but they said a kind word and spoke to you. They opened the door, this happened, smiled at you, maybe winked at you, maybe intentionally sat by you, asked you, do you need something? Went, went either way. And there were kind actions. And every time a kind actions, you warmed up for them. And then finally you said, I'm beginning to feel something. And then you said, I'm in love. And more kind actions took you and you fell in love. And then you were at this point and said, I want to get married. It was kind actions that took you into love. And kind actions can take you back into love. Let me put it to you this way. It begins this way. First, first there's hurt. And when it's, when it's hurt, it's, it's hard to move out of that. So when, when we're hurt, we just, we just stay there. We don't want to do anything. Some of you are hurt. Some of you are wounded. Some of you, there's a, there, there's a grievance in your spirit towards your spouse. And you just, even saying something nice, just, just getting the compliment to come from your lips, is just, to say it, it's difficult. I mean, Valentine's Day is coming up. And you're, you're, you're debating whether to go get flowers or not. Whether to go get the card for him or not. Yeah. And you're going to go to the flower shop. And the hurt's there, guys. The, the mad is there. And you say, I'm going to buy the cheapest ones. That's what I'm going to do. I'm gonna buy, and I'm going to buy the flowers that are already beginning to fade. I, I, don't, I don't want the ones that are opening up. I want the ones that when I give, that the next day, the the. the petals are following. No, don't do that. Don't do that. I know it's hard. It goes from being hard and you just begin to do nice things. It gets a little easier. Doesn't mean it's over. It just goes from hard to easier. And then the next step is it's, it's okay. It's okay. And then the next step is it's good again. And you can get from hard to good again. And it'll get easier because love hopes and love perseveres, perseveres. And every couple, you have the ability to say of your marriage, you have the power to say of your marriage, this is not how my story's going to end. If you're hurt, if, if, if you're brokenhearted, if things have, have driven a wedge between you, you have the power to say, this is not how the story's going to end. Forgiveness allows you hope, allows you perseverance, allows you to gain back what you've lost. Thou shalt not, thou shalt tie a double knot. And there's two things I want to deposit in your heart this morning, quickly before we pray. How to tie a double knot in the marriage. Number one, she needs caring and he needs trust. She needs caring, fellas. And ladies, he needs trust. Caring. Caring just, just 
brings her alive. You ever wondered why we put the wedding band on the left hand? Do you know why the wedding band is actually on your left? There's a reason for that. Occasionally in a marriage ceremony, I'll remind couples why you put the marriage wedding band on the left hand. Because the heart is actually on the left side in the chest. And that's the closest hand to the heart. And typically, typically, when a couple is laid to rest in a graveyard, she is always to his left hand, husband and wife be closest to his heart that's what God you can get back into the heart you can move guys we can move back closer to her heart how do you do that she needs caring so I don't know what that means then ask her then ask her ladies let me help you I've heard wives say if I have to tell him then it's really not caring if I have to remind I just want him to figure it I just need him to just read my heart and that we are not that smart. We don't get it. Help us out, ladies. Tell us. Don't feel like it's less if you tell us. I've asked these, what represents caring? She told me one time, she said, just open the car door. That seems caring. So, okay. So to this day, when we walk out to the car, I walk around and I open the car door. She gets in and then I walk around and I get in. If that means caring to her, I can do it. Fellas, ask her. She needs caring. She has something inside of her that she wants you to respond to. Ask her. And he, ladies, he needs, he needs trust. Now, now, with that, with that, wives, guys, let me tell you, women, women like men to ask questions. Ladies, men hate for you to ask questions. <laughs> let me give you an example. Give me an example. Your wife comes home from work. Let's say tomorrow, Monday. She comes home from work. And you come into the house. Babe, tell me about the day. What happened? Well, I went to work. Okay. When you at work, where'd you go to eat? Well, I went to so-and-so place. What did you eat? Well, I had a salad. Please tell me, what kind of salad dressing did you have? <laughs> I had the light ranch. The light ranch. <laughs> then, did you go back to work? Yes, I went back to work after that. Please tell me what happened. Well, I did a few things and filed a few reports, had a meeting, and then I drove home. You drove home. What music did you listen to on the radio coming home? Oh, I listened to KK. La, 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 la. Really? Did anything happen? Yes, I stopped by and got a, ga a gallon of milk. <laughs> yeah, was there anything? Yeah, not coming. But you got a gallon of milk on the way home, and she said, I am married to the most caring man in the world. <laughs> Women like questions. It sounds like you care. Men hate questions. He comes home from work tomorrow. What'd you do? Ah, nothing. <laughs> Where'd you go eat? <laughs> Whataburger? Why? What did you eat? What I eat? You have a problem with me going to Whataburger? <laughs> no, no. Did you have a problem? Did you come straight home? You know what? That's what I don't like about you. You choke me. You control everything I do. I just, you suffocate me in this relationship. Yeah. She 
likes questions. Ladies, he hates questions. She needs caring. Questions sound like caring. But questions to him sound like distrust. He needs trust. Yes. Number two. (laughs) She needs understanding. He needs acceptance. Do you know the thing about a man? A man will change quicker when a woman says, I love you just the way you are. I know that's counterintuitive, but ladies, it works. She needs understanding. The Bible tells us in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse number 7, in the same way you husbands give honor to your wives, treat them, treat your wife with understanding. Treat your wife with understanding. Now, guys, there's good news there. You don't have to understand her. The Bible doesn't say you must understand her. Just treat her with understanding. What do you mean? Fellas, let me help you. There is no key to a woman's heart. There is no key to a woman's heart. There's a password, and it changes every day. Every woman in the house gets it. Yeah. Because what was the password to her heart last week is not what she enjoyed last week and annoys her this week. What you did yesterday, she doesn't even notice today. It changes every day. Treat her with understanding. Because she wants one flavor of love, like ice cream was one flavor yesterday, but she wants a different flavor today and a different flavor the next day. It changes. She needs understanding. He needs acceptance. And we're going to bring this message to a prayer moment in just just a little bit. Just a little bit. And we're going to be praying for God to help us tie the knot and keep it tied. But as we go into this moment, I need you to realize many of us in this room have asked Christ into our heart, but we have not asked Christ into the marriage. What does that mean? You know, you can ask Jesus to come into your heart and forgive you, but you don't have Christ in the marriage where you forgive one another. You can ask for God's patience and God's understanding with you, but we don't give understanding and patience to each other. Christ can be in the heart and not in the home. And in just a little bit, some of us need to ask Christ into the home. And there is a verse in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, verse number 9. I read in every wedding ceremony. I have, I have, I have performed hundreds of wedding ceremonies through the years. And after the music, and after the poem, and, and, and after they share their vows, and after uh, the kiss, and after, after all, after everything that's happened, after they poured the sand together or maybe the unity candles and all this, everything that goes into the marriage ceremony to represent and speak the uniting of their heart together, I read this verse. I read this verse every time I perform a wedding ceremony. And it's the Gospel of Mark chapter 10, verse number 9. It's the words of Jesus. And he said, therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate tie that knot and keep it tied tie that knot and keep it tied so as we go into a prayer moment here's what I'm going to invite you to do 
Husbands and wives in the room, if you're sitting by your spouse, I want you to reach over and take your spouse by the hand. And maybe everything is good and everything is positive. That's all right. You're going you're gonna to affirm that. You're, you're just going to say, I'm, I'm still in it. I'm, I'm still all there. I'm giving everything, heart, mind, and soul to this, to this relationship. But for others that are struggling, for others that it's been a difficult season, that you might feel estranged emotionally and wounded and there's hurt and it feels so hard just to do marriage together I want to tell you it's not too late you have hope it's not too late you have hope you may have turned down the wrong road but you can still find the right road maybe you've done marriage the wrong way for the last seven or eight years and it's been difficult and difficult and driven each other apart you may have turned down the wrong road but you can find the right road and I'm going to invite you to ask Christ into the marriage and commit yourself today I'm going to I'm going to hope trust I'm going to believe I'm, I'm going to persevere I'm staying in this thing I'm, I'm going to do marriage. I'm going to do love God's way. And God help me to accept the apology I've not received yet and move forward. I said in a message just a few weeks ago, marriage is, is 100-100. It's, it takes all of us all the time and some of us in this room. You say, I can't do that. Pastor, if it takes all of me, I'm out. I feel like I'm used up. I, I feel like there's something missing. I, I, I feel like I'm broken on the inside. I just can't. I don't have it within me right now to put 100% in. And if that's you, then I'm going to ask you to have a, to have a 51% marriage right now. Could you just be a 51% spouse right now, today? Could you just go to 51%? In other words, could you just give a little more than you're taking? Just 51%. Could you just give a little more than you're taking? And if you can do that, that could be the hope. That, that could begin to restore trust. That'll take you to 52. And then 60. Keep doing it. You'll get to 75. You'll get down the road to recovery. And you can have the marriage God intended. So if you can't give 100, I want you to commit. I'm going on record today. I'm going to give more than I take. And I will do that. So with that in mind, I invite you to bow your heads and we're going to pray together right now. Could you join me? Father, I pray over marriages in this house and those who are even live streaming right now. I'm going to pray a prayer that I pray over every couple, every couple when I marry them. I ask you, God, give them many years of happiness. That you would be with them when they know what to do and when they don't know what to do. I grant them wisdom. 
to let nothing divide them. And in those moments when life and misunderstanding come, they will rediscover love in each other and let your love grow in the relationship and that their marriage will be something that will be a blessing to them, their family, the kingdom of God. I bless their marriage today. Yes, we have weaknesses and we have mistakes. And sometimes we get caught in the storm of only focusing on that. God, you didn't do that with us. You looked past our failure and our weakness and forgave us and extended your love. Help us to have Christ in the home to do the same thing. And I pray that couples right now will go on record and say, this is not how my story ends. We're going to we're going to do life different. We're going to tie the knot and we're going to keep it tied. We're going to walk through life together and God grant them grant them the ability and the grace to do that. And I speak your blessings upon their home. Your blessings upon their marriage. And I ask this in Jesus name.